Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the program. I'm Lee Lonsberry. A fascinating day to be working in this business today. There is so much happening. Last night, it was the State of the Union address, and we spent the morning combing through that and uh, debating, uh, producer Amy and I, about what was important, what uh, will linger on, what will folks remember, what were the big takeaways from uh, the State of the Union. And what is absolutely appropriate is that we speak to someone who was present. And so for that reason, uh, we've invited Congressman Chris Stewart onto the program. Sir, how are you? And I'm grateful for your time. Oh, it's good to be with you always, Lee. Thank you. Let me ask you this uh, straight away. What were your big takeaways from last night's address? You know what? I just I just was talking to someone else and I said something. I thought that really is the, the big message about that. And that is, you know, in a society and a culture now where we seem to be just continually negative, told over and over again what's wrong with our country, how we're deficient and racist and bigoted and, you know, selfish. And, and it's nice once in a while to be reminded that this is a great country and it's full of great people. It's full of heroes, as we talked about last night. And, you know, this Tuskegee Airman, that's an incredible story uh, and is great grandson who wants to be a member of Space Force, the soldier who came home, I mean, the, the, the little girl who wants these hope scholarships, it was, I mean, it was just so fun to celebrate the goodness of America and the goodness of the people of America. When it was revealed that uh, 100-year-old Tuskegee Airman Charles McGee uh, was present last night, I thought of you immediately. And I thought how cool it must be yourself uh, as a veteran of the Air Force to uh, be in the presence of someone. Can you talk to me a little bit about uh, the presence of uh, uh, now General McGee and what that meant for you as, as a former airman yourself? Well... Yeah, how cool is that to have him, you know, promoted to Brigadier General on this day? And when you look at him, I mean, he's right out of central casting, wasn't he? A hundred years old and he looked like he was 60 and he stood there ramrod straight with this beautiful salute. Uh, and the humility he displayed. And by the way, what, I, what did they say? I think 127 combat missions. Oh, my gosh. The, the, the chances of surviving that many combat missions over the European theater is, is very, very low. I mean, this is someone who is a, an American hero in every, every description of the word. You mentioned it, and that was exactly my observation. There was no one who stood uh, more squarely at attention uh, when on their feet, nor was there anyone who delivered uh, a, a more sharp and snappy salute uh, than that 100-year-old veteran. Uh, inspiring to have him there. And I thought, now listen, th- there's been a lot 
of analysis of the president's State of the Union, comparing it to uh, the showmanship he brought to that show he had on TV, uh, The Apprentice or whatever. Uh, well, there was a good deal of it, but I thought I thought the way that we walked our way towards the introduction of uh, General McGee uh, by introducing first his great grandson, that eighth grader from Arizona, uh, who would like to be a member of Space Force someday. I thought that was absolutely uh, masterfully played. It was. And, you know, uh, congratulations and, and gratitude to the people who helped put this together because it's a, it's a huge undertaking, as you can imagine. I mean, some of the staff were writing and or calling us and asking us questions about some elements of State of Union more than a month ago. Uh, so it's a, it's a team effort. And, of course, the president is the final draft and has the final say, and he's the one who's got to present it. But, but I just thought the tone of it and the thought that went into it. And, you know, we didn't talk about impeachment. We didn't talk about the divisive issues. Now, there's some policy issues that there's disagreement, but by and large, I thought he was just trying to remind us, as he said, this is the greatest canvas on earth, that this is our masterpiece. Uh, you know, this is the greatest nation God has given a man. What a blessing to live here. And what a needful reminder after what we've been through, especially over the last six months or so. The broader context, uh, the president is, uh, some could say, on a roll right now. Uh, he, in uh, less than an hour's time, will likely be uh, acquitted in the Senate impeachment trial. Uh, he is the only uh, official result to come out of Iowa from the other night. And uh, approval ratings, uh, not only here in Utah, but across the country, are higher than they have been uh, dur- for yeah. the in- entire duration of his yeah. presidency. I... I was pleased to be proven wrong yesterday. I flippantly on the radio yesterday made the prediction that the president would utter the word impeach or impeachment 18 times. And I made this silly little uh, bet with the listeners. And I said, hey, text in your guesses. I walked around the newsroom here and we collected guesses. And I I, I did not take uh, it very seriously. I don't I didn't. Uh, give the reverence that was due. And I was so uh, very pleased last night to be proven wrong when uh, not once did he utter the word impeachment, not once did he dwell or linger uh, or or gloat uh, with respect to uh, the impeachment proceedings as they carry on. Well, Lee, I, I don't think you were the only one who thought that he would. Uh, because, and frankly, he would have been justified in, in addressing it, although shortly. Uh, but I'm really glad that he didn't. And we kind of had word that he wasn't going to. And I really think the president kind of captured the mood of the country. The mood of the country wants to move on. They've been unpersuaded by it. They think that in many, in, in many cases, look, if you hate the president already, you love impeachment. But if you don't hate the president, most Americans look at it and go, it seems unjustified to me. It seems very political and very partisan. And I think the president recognizes that. Most Americans just want to move on and talk about the things that make a difference in their lives. Talk about hope scholarships for children, for, for, for kids who are in schools that nearly condemn them to a hopeless future because they're not being educated. To talk about prescription drug prices and how we can drive that down. To talk about how we protect our soldiers and, and our military families and how we take care of them. I mean, the list of things from, you know, protecting unborn child in, in late-term abortions to uh, reducing, again, the cost of medical care. Those are the things that a lot of Americans want to talk about, and I think the president gets that. You hit all of the marks. I would add to that list our uh, America's declining reliance on welfare. The president pointed out that 7 million people have come off food stamps during the course of his administration thus far, and 10 million total have come off of uh, welfare. He, not long after sharing those details, uh, used a phrase I had never before heard, uh, which was blue-collar boom. What does that mean to you? 
Yeah, that's a beautiful thing. And you know, it's interesting because when you talked about uh, the reducing number of, of people on, on food stamps, some of my Democratic colleagues actually were booing, like that was bad news. And it's not like we took people who are starving and kicked them off the welfare rolls or the food stamp rolls and said, you can't eat. It's people who got jobs. It's people who no longer need that kind of assistance. This is good for everyone. And how you could hear that and think that's bad news, that's just, I don't get it. But this is a blue-collar boom. I mean, one of the really beautiful things about this is the lowest income brackets, 25%, and and particularly the 10% of the lowest income are the ones who have gotten the greatest gain in upward mobility on wages. This isn't money that's going to the rich people. This is money that's going to the working class. People like me who grew up in a family of 10 kids working hard. You know, my dad is a farmer and a rancher and a military guy we didn't have much money but we worked hard and that's what most americans are and they're the ones who are getting the benefit of this and if you want a job you can work and if you have a job you can probably find a better job right now this is good for everyone and i think the president should be proud and he should take a little bit of credit for it let me in the last two minutes you and i have together turn our attention to impeachment uh you sir yourself as a member of the house not long ago uh, debated uh these articles on the floor of the house you voted against both articles they were then sent to the senate uh that trial has played out today in about half hours time the senators will vote on whether or not to acquit the president of these two uh charges these two articles of impeachment. It was made known to us by Senator Mitt Romney of his intention to vote guilty on the impeachment article dealing with abuse of power. Can I ask you your reaction to that, please? Yeah, you know, it's a delicate one for me because uh, Mitt is a friend. He's someone that in many ways I respect. And uh, and I know that he has a certain role in, in the Senate, but I, I'm telling you, he's just wrong on this. And I think I can say that with the voice of authority. I've been doing this for three years. For three years on the House Intelligence Committee, we've been looking at Russian collusion in the Mueller investigation, et cetera, et cetera. Then we immediately run into six months, seven months now of, of impeachment and the Ukrainian phone call. And I think I know the evidence perhaps better than any member of the delegation because it's what I've done for intensely for months. And I'm telling you with a high degree of confidence, I, I could never have voted for a conviction on this. I don't think the evidence supports it in any way. And I guess uh, I guess Senator Romney saw it differently, but I, I couldn't disagree with him more. Congressman Stewart, I'm grateful to you. I'm grateful to you for talking to me about this impeachment as well as your reactions to the State of the Union address last night. Uh, thank you as well for your service in Congress. Look forward to speaking to you again. Yeah, thank you so much. All right. Uh, Congressman Chris Stewart weighing in on the things of last night, the State of the Union in the developments of today, the announcement by Mitt Romney to vote against the president today in about a half hour's time. The next segment, you heard the congressman there uh, and I talking about Charles McGee, a Tuskegee Airman. Well, he was only one of a long list of guests invited to attend the State of the Union address by the president last night. Some absolutely impressive and fascinating individuals. I'm going to introduce to you some of them next here on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? 
I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.